everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the We Are Unplugged podcast. Uh, for those of you who are unaware of what that is, it is essentially our behind-the-scenes show, where we tell you a little bit about our creative process, our lives, breaking down every episode of Tabletop for the End of the World by episode by episode. Um, future episodes may have somebody else hosting and fielding the questions, but we thought it was appropriate for the first episode to have just us, the main cast. And so we're going to go around doing introductions. Uh, we'll start off with me because I'm the one talking. My name is J. Mark Accento. I am the CEO of We Are Heroes Productions, LLC. I co-create uh, the show Tabletop for the End of the World with Mitchie, and I also uh, voice Twilight, the tiefling bard. And uh, yeah, let's, let's get going here. Who else would like to go next? Uh, yeah, I'm Mitch. I'm the Dungeon Master. I play Mitch, who's a character of the same name. Uh, I've been playing D&D for a long time now, and I think you're all very special people. Aw, that's nice. Let's keep it going. Uh, I'm Kevin. Uh, I am the CTO of the, the, the group. We do all the tech things. Uh, I also play Vert, who is our lovely little resident murder gnome. Um... I've also been playing D&D for quite a little while, and this is my first foyer into voice acting, acting of any sort, acting a fool, acting up, acting out, all of it. Just, yeah. So, it's been fun. All right. I am Manny. I play Manny and Torin Gish, the Dragonborn Paladin. I am here. I voice things. <laughs> and so, how? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And how? So this is a this is a fun little experiment for us. Um, the current intention right now is to make this Patreon exclusive, but honestly, it's a nice little tidbit. So in the future, down the line, depending on how far we go and how much we grow, this might be available uh, beyond just this first episode. But what we have are some questions, uh, some questions that we personally have for each other about the creative process, some questions we have from you, our audience, uh, which you posted on our Instagram and our Facebook, and we really appreciate it. And so we're we're going to hop in here. And uh, actually, I got the first question. Uh, this is a question for uh, me, myself, and I. It's really about uh, buy-in here. So I, I have this question just for the whole room. Um, when you were pitched this crazy, wild idea of having this dual narrative storyline, what really kind of wanted you to give it a shot and try it out? Um, well, really, I mean, J. Mark and I have been going back and forth making creative projects for pretty much as long as we've known each other. We've always been working together on, like, theater and uh, and art, and uh, later we made some YouTube videos together. Uh, we've always been trying something, and we always said that, you know, as long as we're always making art, we'll always get to wherever it is we're trying to go. Uh I know that we chose podcasting as a medium because it's relatively inexpensive to jump into, uh, and it's very easy to get started on. And the religion pyramid screen scheme fell apart. Our religious cult was not entirely planned out. Yeah, the most it did was got a lot of kids eating Tide Pods, and that was not the intention. No, they were supposed to so give we us had to... money from their parents and then eat Tide Pods. <laughs> Yeah, and they just jumped straight to eating Tide Pods. It didn't go right. well. I like, to think, I like to think that somewhere our religion continues. Yeah, I mean, I heard they recently developed this new thing where they have a whiskey, but it is within Tide Pod form, and you can just pop it in your mouth. So it's kind of like our religion has expanded right. a bit. I'm going to be honest with you. I think our, our Tide Pod eating religion could have worked, but then Vine died. 
but otherwise, yeah. we, were, we were golden. Um, yeah, we were right there. And now TikTok is here, but, like, you know, we've got this podcast, yeah, we're like, we're so like there's really no for point. TikTok anyway. Anyway, the point is you should just do podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should do podcasts, but not our podcast. Yeah. And also, you shouldn't try to supersede our podcast because we're here first. Gatekeeping. Also, As also, one title you, says it. Just follow these rules, eat ass, and podcast. Indeed. And as a, as a f- I've never listened to it, but Mitch, you know, you, you mentioned a lot. I, I believe in that. But also, uh, if you want to make a podcast about, like, doing laundry and you call it Tide Podcast, you've nailed it. It's gold. You can have that. That's free. Yeah, that, that's a good one, man. Shit, that's actually amazing. Yeah, yeah how about uh, Manny and Kevin, whoever wants to hop in here? Uh, you know, honestly... When you pitched the idea to me and I, I sat there thinking, dear God, that just sounds like so, so crazy. Um, it might just work. Uh, I'd never tried any kind of acting stuff before. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's, let's get outside the comfort zone. Let's, let's try something new. I love doing D and D, but there's been a lot of them done. Let's give it a little twist and venture out there. Uh, and it was also a new thing technologically for me to do a couple of hurdles, setting stuff up, getting all of the equipment and things tweaked and put in place. So it, it's a learning experience and I'm all about challenges like that. Absolutely. And honestly, I would argue you've actually been acting much longer than you think, especially because you've been a D and D player for how long now? <gasps> like when was your first game? Oh God, I was, I was like 15, I think. So, <laughs> right? More than 20 years now. Right? And then you had that blackface phase. So like you've been you've been doing it. But we don't talk about that phase anymore because of the injunction. So <laughs> a lot of people are going to like listen to this and be like, I don't know what's real and what's not, and that's what I want. Um why we play the game. <laughs> Manny, right? what about you? If we're going to have an origin story, I want it to be multiple choice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Joker killing joke. Well, if we're going to add multiple choice, didn't his blackface phase fall into with his pirate phase and he was Captain Blackface? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, how how far are we taking this? Well, that's because it was before he could grow a beard, so he had to he had to try the next thing he could. As far as we can take Kevin until he argues with us. <laughs> no, Kevin did not have a blackface phase. We would not be friends with him if he did. He did have um, a pirate face. He did have a pirate face. He still phase. has a pirate that's face. That's still ongoing. Yeah, that's still yes. ongoing. A um, lot of booty. He's even moves. still wearing pirate face. <laughs> Only on uh, But yeah, Manny, what... <laughs> Manny, what about you? Uh, well... I didn't really think of all that. It's just a good old buddy, J-Mark, asked if I could help out with a project. In between working, I wasn't doing much, and it gave me a chance to hang out with the gang, even though I pretty much am uh, exiled out by the ocean. Oh, you mean within the meta-narrative? And I was like, yeah, honestly, and I just would in say real life. that... I was about to say, yeah, like, your quote-unquote exile is kind of metaphorically very real, because you're in the middle of nowhere southern Maryland um, without a car. Yeah. And so, uh, being able to work with you has been uh, a pleasure. Um, so, Mitch, Manny, and I, we actually know each other from high school. Mitch is three years older than me, so he was a senior when I was a first-year student, and I'm a year older than Manny, uh, so he was a 
so he jumped into the school and the theater program during my second year and we've all just kind of been stuck with each other and making art and sticking by and uh uh, the the meeting Kevin origin story is great, and I would love to touch on that. If not in this episode, then another episode certainly. Yeah, save um, it. Keep on guessing. Yeah. We had Keep we already have guessing. too many origin stories for Kevin. We got to move on. <laughs> yeah, no, Kevin's origin story: pirate, black, blackface, all that, all great. Something, something D and D. And uh, but but yeah, so when we're to to give a little bit of insight to everyone, and I've kind of said it here or there. Um, I did this great interview with the Geeky Drinkers up in Canada. Uh, that's live on YouTube. Look it up, Geeky, the Geeky Drinkers on YouTube, uh, where I talk about the coming up with the concept. And really, at the end of the day, and I'll say it again on here, uh, on our own platform, I just wanted to play D anD. d Mitch got me. Mitch got me into tabletop gaming. Uh, my first year of college, uh, I was a theater and English double major, but my first year of college, the fall and winter shows, they used the exact same cast for both shows, and I was disheartened and demoralized. And Mitch was like, you want to play tabletop? And I was like, I'm not that geeky. And he goes, it was like improv. And I was hooked ever since. Uh, the very first game I ever played was just Manny, Mitch, and I in Georgia uh, visiting my girlfriend at the time. In a hotel room. Mm-hmm. in a hotel room and the feeling of pure just fear and buy-in i had in the story and i was having literal nightmares about it afterwards uh had me hooked from the get-go and i i fell in love with this idea of storytelling but life happens uh, mitch was in college and then i was in college and we never found time and i was like mitch is like me we're both pretty vain and narcissistic art wanting to make people and, and i was like hey are. mitch you want to and still are. And I was like, hey, Mitch, you want to make a show? And we did our research and realized there's a lot of D&D shows. And so I was like, hey, Mitch, want to make this harder for us? <laughs> and uh, if I'm being perfectly candid with everyone, I uh, I never expected it to grow to having you all listening and having people in Norway and New Zealand and the Philippines and all kinds of places listening in. Uh, because I just wanted to play D&D and find an excuse to make it more consistent. So I will say this. Uh, we are more consistent as D&D players than I would be in my normal day-to-day life. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that was really the idea from the get-go is complicate it with the dual narrative so that we're presenting something more. Like, so that we can do something no one else has done and and be a step ahead of all those other D&D shows and just try to do something no one's doing. Um and I, I was right on board with it because I really like experimental storytelling, and I love anything that has to do with a meta narrative, breaking a fourth wall, uh, anything where it's like, oh, but they're they're commenting on on something else, and I love the the complexity of language we can generate by establishing multiple sort of symbolic languages that are interwoven. That is that is my favorite stuff. So that's that's really what I wanted to do with this. And I I don't know whether or not we're successful yet. Like, I just can never decide. I never personally feel like an episode's ever, like, good enough yet. Like, oh, I want to do more. But, like, maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll feel like, oh, I finally did it. I finally mixed the the narratives properly. I I feel like we're actually getting there really nicely with this current arc. And actually, with that question, um, I'd like to have the next question be fielded from one of our audience members. Uh, This is from our good friend Loki uh, out in – Yes, you you in the front, please. Yes, you, Loki, out in the front there. Uh, Loki (laughs) is from Norway, uh, one of our uh, Norway-based fans, uh, and sent this message from his – 
art Instagram at doodles and thingies. Um, is it difficult to make the story? Uh, this is in multiple parts. I'm going to read all the questions and we can can't, uh, we can tackle it. Uh, is it difficult to make the story both in the post-apocalyptic world and the D&D world to work together without crashing? And is there any possibility that the two might foreshadow each other in different ways? In general, what are the challenges of these two different stories? So that actually is a perfect follow-up to that. Um, yeah, so this is more on the creative side of things. Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> For really to get down to the nitty-gritty. Um, uh, I guess, Mitch, uh, from your perspective, because you already were kind of going down this vein. Um, only that the work's never done. The biggest problem that I see is always trying to make sure that what we're what we're saying in the game of Dungeons and Dragons has an analog in the real world. And that hasn't always worked. It hasn't always panned out the way I envisioned it. Uh, the real, the real goal is making sure that like, I'm like the, the ideas of each story arc are trying to tell a particular story. And as long as I can get that common thread through in each one then i feel like i've succeeded but there's so many there's so many plates that we're constantly spinning as j mark and i try to write this um like the meta world to match up with the DD, all of it without me trying to reveal in any way what the spoilers <laughs> are for the dungeons and dragons that's the hardest uh, that's the hardest part like i yeah exactly because i still don't want to spoil it for him like we're still playing DD. we're still genuinely playing when we're rolling dice uh, we're just trying to play as characters playing. Um, I guess the hardest thing for me is just making sure it all meshes, making sure that it really is, uh, like, if if we're dealing with something in the meta world that has an analog in D&D and that those things are interacting similarly and that it, they're still saying the message that Mitch, the, the DM, wants to say about the thing happening in the real world. And the meta world, yeah. And uh, actually, one of the... Uh, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, the me yeah. yeah, meta world. One, one of the best it's real compliments... real to him, man. It's real to him. <laughs> real to him. Uh, one of the best compliments I think um, we've received about the structure of the show in general is... Uh, uh, my friend Shannon Starchers from Maryland, uh, she uh, – we met in college, but she started listening to the show like a way, way back. And when she started listening, she was like, wow, so you wrote this entire thing. She actually thought that we were writing the D&D &D and the meta narrative, that the D&D &D itself wasn't improvisational. And I was like, that's a pretty solid compliment that you believe in our writing ability enough to write a one – one and a half hour show with all these great improvisational bits in it. Yeah. Uh, we're not that but, good. Yeah, no, I want to say just because we fooled someone into thinking we're competent does not mean we're competent. Oh, God, we are not. Not at we're all. Not. So I mean, I fought for one joke for the longest time, but that cursed editor wouldn't let it stay. <laughs> one day the Spocker will come to light. There's so uh, many bits that we've God. had in this show that have been golden and incredible and that have either been way too crass or just not canonically indicative of like the world we've already established and built. We're not playing a children's card game. <laughs> but but like, we're also trying to avoid that explicit flag, right? Yeah, we're trying so hard to avoid that explicit uh, flag with this show. But also, just, I mean... Wait, we have been? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes we do. With ICFW, okay. not as much. With TFU, we try really hard. Um, but the thing is that with... Uh, <laughs> you guys are so brilliant with your improv that I never want to uh, yuck your 
your yum, so to speak. I never want to be like, don't say it, don't do it. So I don't limit you guys. I just delete shit because it's much easier <laughs> than having you try to rein yourselves in. And I know starting out. It's just weird having whole bits of conversation cut out. I just say, uh, and then it goes to, and I roll. Yeah. But the, actually, the cutting I do, floor is so I do want to touch on that because I remember when we first started recording a year ago, uh, you guys were a lot more reserved in your improv, and I'd love to dig into a little bit of that as well and uh, get some insight into what your thought process was as you got more comfortable. But wait, I want to do uh, somebody's question on Instagram. Ooh, yes. From somebody named Mo the Superhero. Oh, that is Monica. Uh, Mo the Superhero is a cosplayer from Maryland as well. Uh, ran up to us at BlurredCon. Great person. What's the closest call y'all have had to having to re-roll a character sheet? <laughs> well, it's not really come that close yet. I'd say the closest we got was more for thematic purposes of closing the gate to, like, the demon realm. But I wanted to bring this question up because, as I always say to Mitch, I'm fully expecting you to just hate me at some point and screw me over. So I've got, like, five separate characters planned who will all just... Exists just to mess with him. <laughs> now, now, I have never intentionally screwed you guys over, but if I didn't propose challenge, then none of our victories would mean anything. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm fully prepared for you to kill me. I'm just saying, are you prepared for the consequences of Torin dying and a new character? I'm just gonna. Absolutely, I am not. <laughs> At least make one of them able to throw vert. My greatest chestnut I'm holding on to right now is a Goliath werebear. Oh, Jesus. I'm on board. All right, time to kill Torn. Uh, no. Time <laughs> to kill Torn. We need to know. Torn is so beloved. Um, what about you, Kevin? Have you ever gotten close to having to re-roll Vert? Um, you know, oddly enough, uh, the latest episode, uh, there were a couple of times where I was um, acting a little off. <laughs> and I blame you for that. Uh but I got him. Call him out. Yeah, you know, and we can actually I, say I, that because this is going to come out after that episode drops. So episode twenty-seven. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So there were a few moments in there where I was thinking I just got to throw caution to the wind, but caution would pretty much have guaranteed me dying. Uh, I was getting ready to like use the knife to hack open the heart and climb into it to attempt to stab it from the inside uh, and blow it up. <laughs> you wanted to be I know you wanted to be Drax well. from Guardians of the Galaxy too. Basically, except <laughs> less uh This whole arc would just end with acid. Kevin's melted skeleton plopping out. You know? I, I saw Kevin, it you, coming. Er, Bert, you did it, and oh god, he's completely melted and dead. Yep, nope, there's the face. It's off. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag worth. Um, you know, Just a tiny skeleton plops out of the dead heart. When you have um, a, a role handed to you, you play the role, and god damn it. <laughs> you are a very good projectile. You're a projectile. Mm, God, losing Vert in that manner would have really. One really day hurt. we're gonna have that perfect Mega Man moment of me just wearing you on my wrist and you blasting. God, we I did wanted, that. We did do that. We did that in a. No, we only had like the joke moment. We never actually got to. Oh, that's true. Do we never you got like blasting from my wrist? Yeah, oh. I've actually. I gotta I just, admit, as a DM, I have no idea how to actually rule that. <laughs> I've just been doing whatever seems the most fun. Yeah, uh, you know really what? Cool. You, we have established canon that I can. Vert can be on his arm with no disadvantage. On the torn arm. 
Yeah. All we have to do is just let loose a magic missile or a lightning bolt or something, and it's <laughs> done. We need to see if if McKean will build a like an arm harness for Vert, so he can actually be worn. Uh, oh. But, uh, but to answer that question uh, by Mo the superhero Monica, it would even be the perfect attack. Torin would first punch the enemy, and then Vert would lo- let loose a lightning bolt after my punch is done. God. Vert just explodes in energy. That amazing. Oh, it's going to be so good. Um. <laughs> uh, but to answer that question, yes, there have been plenty of times where Twilight thought they had to re-roll their character, and I was... There are plenty of times where I was... It was your own near fault. damn devastated. <laughs> look! Look! I made a choice... <laughs> The stereotype <laughs> is that bards want to bang, and I didn't want that for Twilight for multiple reasons. One, I don't think is as interesting. Two, I also the, – they're a gender-fluid character, and they're pansexual. I didn't want to hypersexualize somebody because they had a uh, LGBTQ plus sexual and gender identity. And so I was like, I just want Twilight to try to be friends with everyone. Twilight is my ultimate form of wish fulfillment. Like if I wasn't so bitter anymore and like recalling my – youthful days when i was more joyful and naive that is twilight embodied and that often leads to getting hurt both uh in my case it was metaphorical but in twilight's i charge case, up to the giant four-armed <laughs> metal armor and stab it with my rapier what do you mean i missed oh god i'm going to die actually i think the closest i ever actually got to re-rolling was in the very first uh episode when we were surrounded by seven armors in episode one were uh, excuse you it was eight eight armors where none of my spells that i had established from the beginning would work on them and also n- their armor class was absurd and everything was awful it was um terrible but also a great way to set the tone for the stakes so i complained yes. in the moment but it was perfect you you guys loved complaining in the moment here's a fun little bit about that uh that little entry sequence uh I, you guys were being hella loud, so I I punished you guys being hella loud by, first, I warned you that there are enemies in the area with the, the loud noises of metal creaking and clanking, and you guys were still hella loud. I believe Torin's response was to charge headlong into the pile of armors. For the record... Charge through. <laughs> and not and It's a tactic over. that's worked with the armor maze, the hedge maze, <laughs> the flesh so then, maze. So then, obviously, like, I would warned you enough that these dangers existed, so I had to punish it. I rolled a d8 to establish how many armors would come at you. And you and rolled you an 8. Eight. You guys maxed Jesus. out for what I had in my notes as a triggered alarm. Or the, the equivalent there, the narrative equivalent of a triggered alarm. And you guys just went for it. And I That sounds like a you problem. I it was clearly a you it problem. It was very much an us problem, sir. And actually let's follow that up with the uh the question I asked earlier, which is uh, improvisation and really letting yourself go in this. I know in our first couple, our first arc and a half, I'll say, uh, Kevin, Manny, um, you guys, I, I got the sense you guys were a lot more reserved. And um, maybe it's my own self-consciousness because I know I'm a very chatty person, but I'd love to get an idea of just where the moment came where you felt truly relaxed and like, oh, like we're just playing D&D. We have this extra narrative and Mitch and J-Mark are the showrunners, but like we're still playing D&D. So I'd love to hear about that. Well, it was less getting comfortable with the double narrative and more. All right. I'm wondering just how much I can get away with and just <laughs> towing those barriers. 
Um, and then I realized I can just say anything and you'll just chop it out anyways. So I just kept going. <laughs> no, I the love power it. of editing. <laughs> I do. Um, and so Plus, I would always hold them- back to try and get Kevin to go forward because I know him. This being the first time for any of like acting wise for him, yeah. he might not know exactly what to do. And that that was a problem for me. I I did frequently sit there and second guess myself. Um, there there were actually two instances or two incidents, I should say, that helped me open up. Um, we, we had a team building uh, thing that we did and that did help me a great deal um, where we were doing a lot of improvisation, but it was forced improvisation in short time frames, and you had to, you know, come up with stuff at really rapid fire and sell it. And that, that did help. Uh, so I think a lot of the things that when you were in school and you were going through your exercises and things, those types, of th- I had none of that. So I was coming essentially. I mean, the bare card game the was played in your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the anime yeah. anime pitch party by Evil Hat Productions. Shout out Evil yes. Hat Productions. Evil uh, Hat, my boys. An excellent game. Uh, absolutely beautiful exercise for this kind of thing. Um, here's a weird one though. The other incident was we were doing um, a read through of one of the scripts and we deviated from it slightly. Uh, you had thrown in a few improv pieces to the lines up to that point, And I took note of this. We were reading straight through and we were reading the lines as they were written. And when I saw a deviation, I don't know what it was. Something clicked. And I went, you know, this is a guideline of the character as opposed to a strict rule for the character. And that for some reason, it made me feel better about the character, a little more ownership of the the role as opposed to a a strict, this is the character that you have to um, adhere to. Uh, this is simply a character you are portraying and something that you're bringing to life for the, the um, audience. And that was different for me. So, uh, again, it's a level of an experience that I've had with acting and, and with performing pretty much in any sense. I don't play an instrument. I, I do nothing. I do tech, right? That's what I do. I live in a basement or had for a long time. Now I own a basement. Hey, and no, I don't, do tech. Don't lie. Your wife keeps you in that basement. Like you guys put uh, on a good show. It's comfy down here. I'm, you guys put I'm on a safe. good show when we visit, but we know you live in the basement. It's true. There's a really <laughs> nice couch down here. The TV is here. I've got like seven machines. I'm actually surrounded by eight screens right now, just so you, you all know. And sleeping there. on the bar isn't that bad. It's, <laughs> it's true. I have top shelf. I have well. It's beautiful. If you sleep um, <laughs> on the bar like in public, that's pathetic. If you sleep on the bar in your own home, you're successful. That's how that I'm works. Hey, you're right? a right as an American. Built in myself, too, so... Um, but yes, I think that those two things there for me specifically, uh, they really brought me out of my shell as it was. I, I started acting. And luckily this has all helped ask a fan question from the Instagram (laughs) from Tomo E. Gozen, which was, what was one of the most memorable pot, I'm guessing moments of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, moments of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Moments of the podcast and why do you ever had moments where you look back and regret something that was said slash wish you had said it better? Is it hard to keep a theme going? 
I think we've been answering that, but yeah, we can maybe yeah, focus so, on that. And just to give this <laughs> reference, uh, Tomo is our friend Lily from New York. Uh, she's part of this little pod of beautiful cosplayers that we're friends with. Not related to the fictional Lily. No, 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 no. Not related to fictional Lily. Um, beautiful human being, excellent cosplayer, uh, big supporter of our thing. And um, you all should support her cosplay Instagram, Tomo Gozen. Uh, T-O- Tomo dot E underscore Gozen. Yeah. G O Z. Right, but we're not here to spell names. Yeah. The answer is it is extremely difficult to keep track of everything. Yes. <laughs> I forget things constantly. Uh, just, just Burger with, King wrappers everywhere with, with notes scrawled on them. You, I have to go back and re-listen to episodes, and I still miss things. Like every time an episode goes out, I watch it. I listen to it twice and double check my notes, and I still miss all kinds of stuff. For example. Uh, I just got a I got a message on our Discord earlier that we reintroduced McKean because we had the return to Balderdash arc, and I totally forgot that Torin and McKean had like a, a little bit of sexual tension that I never I never readdressed. McKean, I didn't even know that was a thing. McKean was rocking a little bit of a crush on Torin, and I never I never pushed it, and now that kind of got erased. Yeah, I think the most the most egregious one I ever did is. It was difficult to me to for me to figure out what uh, what Froggy the half orc would have been doing. Um, you you killed him. So so I just kind of I just kind of I just kind of ghosted him out of the out of the series uh, and and that's not anything against him. I just didn't find him particularly interesting. Like I originally built him as essentially a mount for May, and that. And then after that, I didn't know what else to do with him. I guess I should have kept him around, but it didn't. He didn't seem particularly interesting, and he was so disinteresting to me stay, that stay my tuned. brain was just like, "He's not there anymore." Stay tuned for future arcs. Mitch when we is fight the cruelest of gods of this universe. Stay tuned for future arcs when we fight for orc rights, and Froggy's at the forefront of that fight. <laughs> orcs are more than mounts. Um. <laughs> you should all be thankful Mitch is not your actual god He will wipe you from existence because you bore him <laughs> I will wipe you out of existence As soon as you are no longer beneficial As my mount <laughs> Isn't that the thing though? That's like the normal thing now anyway mm. I don't know how normal it is to mount someone, Kevin Kevin's talking about <sighs> living in a basement again um. so, Allegedly Allegedly Yeah <laughs> When a gnome loves an orc really really much <laughs> Dragons are horny bastards. <laughs> Dragons are horny bastards. <laughs> they can turn into people, elves, horses. Um, it wasn't until recently that Vert actually found out that he's like, oh my god, wait, there's what in my bloods? Oh yeah, and we decided that from the beginning, too. Yeah. Um, and have been hinting no. at it. Heavily. Yeah, you introduced that, and I was interested in that, but I wanted to play it off. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, being a dragon it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's no, all. I, yeah. I, I loved that whole um, interaction. Yeah, dragon blood in. Whatever. The, the hardest thing to keep track of, though. <laughs> Why are you freaking out, bro? <laughs> the hardest yeah. thing to keep track of, though, are all of these guys' improvisational things made canon. So we were supposed to make it easier so for you. Like, um, we actually have a TFU compendium I'm building out right now. And if anyone listening would like to help with that, I will give you a T-shirt as 
thanks and also my adoring love and affection because I'm literally listening to the show from the beginning and mapping out like this is when this term is introduced. This is who says it. This is what episode it said. This makes it canonical. This was this joke. This used this info in fact. Oh my god, it's so awful. Danny DeVito is canon in our world, but for some reason we don't know how to say Jim Carrey's name. Uh, Gorilla Fish now exist, I guess. There's so <laughs> they piss ass. There's it. so many things that we've introduced in this show. Like we live in a show where the where the PlayStation has an off-brand game of Spider-Man called the Man Spider, but wrestling still exists. It's oh, I, figured, I figured all of that was like. I, I figured none of us are actually speaking English. We're speaking whatever is, like, left after 500 years of evolution. Yeah, like, translated to everyone, it is in English. But to us, it's, like, an, it's actually an entirely different language. It's that rule of uh, what they do in shows. Like, oh, this show is based in Russia. Everyone's speaking English, but the assumption is everyone is speaking Russian. Um, right. Yeah. So my assumption was anything we say is just like a bad translation error because it's been 500 years. Yeah. Oh, see, I thought it was uh, we were chalking it up to uh, like database corruptions and crap like that. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Database corruptions as well. Like anything could have happened. Mm-hmm. Not not everything made it into the future. Yeah, but like Look, you we did Mitch doubting up. whether I mean, dragons and bats are related. What are you, a Scientologist? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Hey, don't joke about that. They can shut us down very easily if they want to. Oh, hell. <laughs> uh, but no, like literally, there are so they shut us down while recording. Like I'm actually pulling up the TFU compendium right now. There are so many things that exist. For example, Candace, the goldfish that controls inflation, hasn't been brought back. <laughs> But does exist in this world. Oh, we gotta bring back Candace. Uh, <laughs> casinos. Uh, this was uh. used in episode twenty-four. Burned down. Casinos don't exist anymore. Why? I don't know. It's something Mitch decided to say randomly one episode. Uh, Diamond. I don't even remember that. <laughs> casinos. That made sense to me because in a in a heavily corporate society. The casinos represent a random fluctuation of money that Portrobot would rather have control. Um, the Mars Walk. Manny references the Mars Walk in episode one, uh, 103, which apparently have moon bases on them, according to Mitch. <laughs> just there, the it things can't be a moon, moon bases base on, on Mars. Mars. Just, it's a Mars base. It's just, just the things we reference. Like any, hold on, any base that's in space is not automatically a moon base. Has to be on a moon to be a moon base. Just our the terminology here is completely flawed. Yeah, I am. I am genuinely. We are upset. all just complete psychopaths, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're just terms and things that exist. Like uh, there's Fluffy, the scaled two-headed Cerberus that patrols the city. There, there's so many. things things that exist in this show that are so hard to keep track of when they're improvising but luckily like any humans uh born in and sometimes we can go like weeks between recording we'll have completely forgotten what ridiculous nonsense we said last time and maybe reference it in the same way hey, we're lucky just we like, oh hey that was already a joke good oh yeah that's, that's that's the hardest part that was the I think if I kick myself for anything in the format that we decided and the timeline that we decided, it's the improvisational bullshit that comes out of our mouths. And it's just like, oh, okay, so this exists, but this doesn't exist. But it's very hard to script D&D. Yeah, and actually for everyone uh, to know a little bit of uh, unveiling behind the scenes, the first arc was not – the only person scripted in the first arc was Robin. 
And a lot of those intro, outro, and mid-scene bits is literally just us. So, like, Sapam, completely improvised. Um, Sapam makes a lot of sense. I like Sapam. Sapam makes me so happy. Uh, The Screams of Dying Ducks and Meat and Meat Byproducts. That's the best line that I've ever improvised in my (laughs) whole damn life. Like, that was it. That's the pinnacle of the show right there. Meat. That's what we're writing on. Meat and Meat Byproducts is is what I based the whole thing off of. (laughs) <laughs> okay um well here's my question um because this is the first episode of the we are unplugged podcast uh this is a question for everyone and i'll answer last just because i'm the one asking it what are your hopes for the future of both tfu and also we are heroes productions and and on top of that what would you like the audience to know as well like about all that well, I hope just something happens with the future of this show. And I'd like to reveal to the listeners now, J-Mark's not real. It's an AI Mitch made up. He's crazy. Help us. Oh, I would never admit that. I am absolutely real, Mitch Monin. That is correct. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Quick, Kevin, add something onto it. Ooh. Uh, Kevin has a big slong, 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 slong personality. Oh, God, Kevin hacked it. Yeah. No, see? Oh, it's an error because it's a lie. Ooh. <laughs> and yet. Um, for myself. And yet. And yet. Uh, for myself, I'd have to say my hopes for um, for the, you know, the podcast, the project, uh, the We Are Heroes Productions. Uh, really, at this point, just to to have fun to to enjoy the process um and to learn whatever i can from the experiences uh it's really all i'm looking for at this particular stage is to to do something and have fun and uh hopefully other folks enjoy what we do um yeah let let me go last let me go okay um obviously to make money Let's get rich and famous off in this shit. No, not really. Um, for <laughs> and cut. I mean, a little. Cut the episode. Now, my so one of the most incredible experiences I think I've ever had um, so far doing the show is just meeting all of you who listen, both online and offline, and talking to you, but also seeing you all talk to each other and seeing the impact it's had. Um, from the get-go with deciding to turn the podcast into a production company uh, and calling it We Are Heroes Productions, the real value was to make sure we're telling stories that aren't normally told and having that representation. So speaking financially in the sense that if we one day had the finances to hire uh, women and women of color and non-binary people and um, – people who are on the LGBTQ spectrum, uh, people with autism, people of all differing backgrounds and values to both write and perform and to share their work and show their passions so that kids just like them have someone to look up to. That's my biggest hope. Um, and to get rich. No, I'm not going to undercut it. But like, really, I, I want to be able to see this podcast and in turn the company grow so that we can involve more people in it um and all of the decisions made uh on my end when it comes to marketing i stress the importance of 
collaborating with small artists or up and coming artists, whether they're cosplayers, visual artists, sound technicians, what have you, because I want them to grow their portfolio. And if I have the personal finance to do it, I always try to pay them. So yes, that my, that my hope is for it to grow and to offer more opportunities for more people to make art as well. And I honestly want to say something very similar to that vein. I don't know about the future of this project because like, I'm not a, I'm not a planning guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I got my nose to the grindstone trying to get together just all the pieces of it. Like the fact that there's another episode coming out every two weeks, that's all the future I need for this thing. But what I need to, I, I guess what I want to say is thank you everyone for supporting us as we go through this crazy experiment as we try to make this all work, as you, those of you who have come up to us and said you genuinely enjoy the thing we've made for you, that is what makes it all worth it. So I just wanted to say thank you. Whatever the future is for TFU, whatever the future is for We Are Heroes, it's in your hands, guys. So I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thanks everyone. Oh good, he didn't say the power is yours. The, the power, power might have gotten sued. Well, you just mixed Captain Planet with Transformers. Yeah, we did. I don't care. Um, yeah, Tell so thank you everyone so much for listening to the very first episode of the We Are Unplugged podcast, the behind the scenes podcast. Uh, as of now, future episodes will be released exclusively on our Patreon. So if you'd like to tune in, please support us on Patreon. Um, there are a lot of benefits at the $5 level. You get a lot of perks and honestly, it helps us out. We really want to buy equipment for some of our new cast members uh, for it comes from within and also some of our cast members just for our regular tabletop for the end of the world show as well. Well, we really, really appreciate all of you. Uh, if you support us uh, between now and I want to say the end of November for a limited time, you'll get a special gift. And we've also did some changes to our Patreon as well. So now if you support us at the $15 level, you will get a Tiny Buddy sticker. And if you support us at the $25 level, you will get a Patreon-exclusive t-shirt that's actually uh, potentially being designed by our own Doria uh, as soon as we figure that out. So yeah, thank you all so much, everyone. We really appreciate it. We love you. And we are... Uh, tabletop for the end of the world. Uh...